Guys, good Monday morning. I'm Jerry Miller, and welcome to Real Talk with Keith Smith. Thank you kindly for joining us. I hope you uh, enjoyed the Super Bowl as much as we certainly did. A nice spread, some family, some friends, some good spirits, a lot of people, and a quality football game makes for a fantastic Sunday afternoon, and it makes for a somewhat slow-moving Monday morning, but we're going to bring ammunition to you to jumpstart that Monday as we have what I think is just a beautiful spring morning upon us, even though it's February here in Charlottesville, Central Virginia. Um, the show is presented by Yes Realty Partners, and today's program has some dynamite people on set. Woody Fincham, in particular, just brings fantastic ammunition to this show every single time he is on set. Keith Smith, of course, the star of the program and the show's archive on realtalkwithkeithsmith.com. Why don't we welcome Judah Wickhauer, our director, our uh, talented panel to the program. Boys, good morning. How are you? Good, good morning. Good morning. It's, uh, you know, the, I was thinking on the way in, you know, Woody Fitcham, the, in capital letters, appraiser, right? I mean, you, you, uh, you are some sort of a rock star, but it's funny you mentioned in the beginning about the spring, and I'm just taking a quick look. Those who watch Monday know that we usually I do a week over week, and we jumped a week over week activity, active new homes on market in Charlottesville car footprint. Last week we're at 64. We're now at 80, right? So pretty darn close to 20 units increase. So maybe their housing spring market has sprung and this activity of uh, new on the market is starting to grow a little bit. But, you know, Woody, for the two people that are watching and listening, can you introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, I think um, you want to say for the two people that don't know who you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a little bit... We should change that phrase in general. I'm going to change yeah. that. I'm going to change that phrase in general. I'm, I'm, I'm only on my first cup of coffee, so give me a minute to get the yeah. juice I hear well. you. I hear you. Um, well, Woody Fincham with Fincham & Associates. We are a Central Virginia um, valuation firm. We do consulting and uh, appraisal work for folks looking at... Uh, uh, for, for folks that need that, and we work over in the valley here in Charlottesville and as far out to the east to, as Louisa. So glad to be on the show. You were a dynamite man. Um, you get a lot of the folks thinking um, that watch the program. And I've noticed when you come on the show, a lot of the uh, realtors from various firms that, you know, spring up and ask questions. Um, how's the market doing? Why don't we start there? What are you seeing? Strong market. Um, we've, uh, I think we've normalized to, you know, what happened back in August with the rates. Uh, rates have inched up a little bit recently, but I, I, we're still doing a tremendous amount of new construction work, which that's always a good indicator, a barometer of what's going on in the market. And uh, we're seeing a lot of builders, uh, all the really busy builders in the region are, are still building and, and moving along. So that, that's a really good thing. So, so that's a, a great segue into it because um, I want to talk a little bit about the other side of the mountain today. Um, so um, part of what I want to talk a little bit is about the new construction in particular that's kind of going on over there. Can you talk a little bit from your perspective? What are you seeing over there in new construction? Um, I did some crunching of numbers. There's not a lot of sales history, but there seems to be a lot of active impendings floating around out there. Yeah, a lot of the builders aren't putting them into the MLS, so you know, having actual data to crunch is a little difficult. But we're seeing a lot of um, what I call uh, economy builds over there. Uh, your big builders like Ryan, they do really well over there because they're able to bring something to the market that's not as expensive as what we're seeing over here. So... Um, 
uh, it's been it's been moving along and we cover everywhere from Lexington up to Page County so it's a pretty big area that we look at and um, I know we're going to focus mostly on Augusta and, and, and Waynesboro today but I mean that entire area I just mentioned we're seeing new construction in all, all seg sectors of that particular uh, geographical area so why is that why why do you think new constructions picking up over there and maybe not so much a little closer to to Charlottesville it's more affordable I mean land is just dirt the, the dirt's just yeah. cheaper yeah. yeah and uh I don't think there's as much red tape to build over there as there is on this side of the mountain yeah so you know we we're, we always talk about turning red tape into green tape mm -hmm. as far as new construction is concerned we always talk about that about 25 percent of that is due to regulatory expenses so on a yeah on a $400,000 build, 100000 of dollars of that is regulatory expenses on, that en on the end of it, which is obviously just shoot, shoot the prices up. Um, but from an appraiser's perspective, and let's, you know, a couple of real estate agents that may be watching and um, homeowners that may be watching, is there a different process in the appraisal process for new construction than there is for an existing home? Is the methodology different? Is the path different? The only real difference between an existing home that we are going to appraise and something that's going to be built or that's in the process of being built is that we're doing a, uh, an as-is value for existing, but we're going to do a, a subject-to value. So really, the, everything else about it is relatively similar. Uh, you're still looking at you know alternative comparables. Um, what would be the most likely thing that a consumer would compare it to if they were going to buy something um, just to have alternatives for the sales comparison approach? So it's it's all relatively similar, um, but you know we're we're basing it on what's going to be built, not what's actually there. To off of a set of plans and specifications. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I have a change order right through yep. it. How, how does that work, right? So I'm I've start off with a sales price of X. Mm -hmm. I have a change order with that. You know, how does that get worked into the uh, uh, appraisal process? It's an ongoing process. So uh, a lot of the builders that we work with will, of course, have change orders as they go along. Something uh, gets changed. The lender just sends it over to us, and they ask us to augment the report uh, after we – because we'll submit a report, and in some cases uh, we'll have five or six change orders happen over the, the lifespan of, of that build, which could be, what, six months, and we'll continue to update it as they need it. Uh, but usually most of the change orders don't affect a lot. Most of the time it's just cosmetic things that, you know, folks are wanting to you go from one color of vanity to a different or something of that nature. And those things are pretty interchangeable as far as that goes. So I added a couple of new slides to today, and I haven't had a chance to talk to Judah yet, but it'll be slide number nine, Judah, if you, if you wouldn't mind. So I, I did a new slide. It's new construction, single-family detached. This is what's currently active and, and pending. And I found this number very uh, interesting. The city, this is for single-family detached, the city of Waynesboro um, has 31 pending and 14 active. So that means, you know, and that's from January 1 until 212. So there was 31 new construction homes that were put under contract in, in Waynesboro. Is that jiving what you're seeing? You're seeing out there. Oh, absolutely. And we, um, one of the big builders over there, Atlantic Builders. There, um, we've been doing a lot of work on the subdivisions that they're working in now. We did the pre-construction and development phase with uh, with the bank who's financing that, and uh, it's, there's just a lot going on. I mean, it's that that little section where they're building is uh, is pretty amazing, actually. So um, Jerry and I have been talking about this forever. At least I have. Um, it. 
it seemed to not have happened this time around. But normally, when gas gets to a certain price point, mm-hmm. the other side of the mountain slows down a little bit. And I'm looking at all the data here, and I did not see that in the last couple of years. Now, we saw a very strong correlation in that when the you know, 08, 09, and 10 markets, if you were moving further out into the, into the, the rural areas, it was very affected by, by petroleum prices. But right now, we're not seeing any impact from it. I mean, it's still cheaper to live over there than it is to live over here because of the price of the real estate. So Nikki has joined us. Good morning. Well, could you tell a few people about yourself? Oh my gosh! I, d- I got it wrong. Jerry tried to Jerry oh, no, tried Jerry tried to teach me. It didn't work. Oh, I think we oh, should no. just eradicate that. Oh, no. I'm eradicating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nikki, <laughs> introduce yourself to everybody that's watching the show. Hi, I am Nikki Chambliss. I am team leader of Keller Williams Alliance, um, and. I had car repairs this morning, so I was late. <laughs> Not on the one I'm driving, thankfully, though. So there is that. Did you have a good Man. weekend? I was the Super Bowl. You know, oh, so I didn't watch the Super Bowl. I did watch the halftime show. Um, I, it was it was incredibly well done. Oh, it was awesome! An amazing show to be able to cram a a top notch concert into the span of ten minutes. And I don't know if any of you have ever performed in that kind of way, but dancing and singing alone is ridiculously challenging to do. But doing it while also having a baby bump situation is a whole other ball game. Like, she's just incredible. Uh, how about the <laughs> fact that she was also on a platform raised above the field? Okay, so besides that being cool as can be, um, yeah. <laughs> I also, the first thing when I saw the baby bump and I saw her floating through the air, I started looking for how she was secured in that platform. I was like, okay. <laughs> I was I wondering she the must same. Be, she totally was. She was harnessed in, right? Yes, she was. Yeah. yeah. Had to be. <laughs> they probably all were, but I was really only concerned about her because of being pregnant. I mean, like really <laughs> high above the oh, ground. It was incredible. Yeah. Now, yeah. now I, saw, uh, I saw a post this morning, Woody, on your page about the halftime show. Not necessarily your cup of tea. Right. I think the NFL, they've got a branding issue. Um, I'm just, I'm going to sound like a nerd here, but I really like hard rock metal, that kind of music. And they, if you listen to each break at the Super Bowl when they're doing a, a, a timeout or in between plays, every other song, I counted nine or ten times last night, they're playing Metallica or something like that. But yet, they won't get that branding into their halftime show. I just, I, I will never understand why they, they go to pop music rather than you know, what their demographic likes. But what about the national anthem? That was actually a really I enjoyed it. good national I thought it was anthem. Good. Uh, your wife says you're going to be as polite as possible on this topic right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lori, welcome hey, Lori. to the program. We love you, Lori. Um, I will say this. Um, Rihanna, and, and look, I thought the halftime show was amazing. Yeah. I thought it was amazing. Yeah. Um, I understand that it's not the cup of tea for everyone. Sure. Um, yeah. But she has so many hit songs. And, like, the challenge she had was figuring out a way to montage all these hits in such, was it 26 minutes, 29 minutes, something I, like that? It wasn't. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. I felt like it was even less. But maybe, like, it was a short span of time yeah. where you're putting a whole music career of hits because she has so many. So many. And you all know them all, whether yeah. you realized it until the halftime show. Exactly. That's the thing. That was it. That was the thing. I don't know any of her songs. I mean, I'm just, I'm not connected with, with pop music in that to- way. Totally get it. Totally yes, get it. To yes. Nikki's point, when she was singing, I was like, oh my gosh, that's yeah. her song too. I that's her song that too. Her. I forgot that was her. Yes. That's literally what I was saying. But when you hear it, when you're out and about, your head's going to bop. Right. Whether you're out, like, out and about to dance or not, you hear it, you're going to be like, oh yeah. 
It was incredibly well done. The production was great. I mean, it's better nice. than any Vegas show I've ever seen. Oh, man. Uh, it's just really good as far as that goes. I can assure you my head wasn't popping because I knew none of this. Oh, <laughs> oh so we're in the same, we're in the we're same, in, we're in the same generation. <laughs> yeah, but do you go for metal or no? I go, I, I, like, I like anything. Uh, I was just wrote down the last real memorable halftime show for me was Prince. Oh okay, my well, honestly, the that is one of time. my right, life right. regrets. So, I you know, to that, see him. that was just an awesome halftime show. I mean, show. Purple Rain in the rain. Yeah. I mean, Purple Rain was amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah. he's and just a whole god of. I may, I may have been <laughs> making <laughs> spaghetti and meatballs during the halftime, so <sighs> just that's what I was, oh, that's what I was doing. Um, you got yeah. the topic du jour in this community has been assessments. Um, yeah. can, yes. you, can you, so this guy's a pro. Anyone who's watched this program realizes Woody Fincham is a pro's pro, as people describe people of his talent um the assessor really has no control here i mean we're, we're talking market values here right. so all these bills that are coming out people are like raising fury and so ticked off when it, their respective jurisdiction the mm -hmm. reality is we're talking market values here the tax rates are where the jurisdictions have some control and some right. autonomy here. Can you help put this in perspective for everyone? So when you're doing assessment work, um, you're looking at market value, but that's actually not the most important thing. The assessors are, are charged uh, legally to be fair and equitable. Mm -hmm. And they have very small staffs. Whether you're t If you're talking about Albemarle, you're talking 45,000, give or take, parcels that have to be reassessed on an annual basis. So they might, I think they might have 10 or 11 people on staff there that are actually valuing. And if you, if you divvy that up, that's, you know, four or 5,000 parcels a person. And that's quite a bit of undertaking for any, any office to do. So um, they're catching up more than anything else. I think I've gotten a lot of phone calls about assessment challenges. And everybody's like, well, it's gone up double digits. It's like, well, they may not have been catching up the previous years yeah. before that. So you have to look at it. Was your market value, from as far as the assessment goes, was it low the last couple of years? And in most cases, the answer is yes. Um, so, you know, they're, they're catching up. And, yeah, there's going to be some big percentage jumps. Uh, maybe a subdivision like Force Lakes or something like that. They hadn't hit it heavy last year or even the year before that. But all of a sudden, they're catching up. I mean, I've got a couple of situations where we're looking at doing assessment um, appeals, helping out folks in, in Forest Lakes where they're as much as 150000 over market value. But we're talking about some of the largest properties in Forest Lakes, and the county's not scaling it correctly. So they're, they're using the same multipliers in the assessment that they would use uh, for something that's, you know, 2,000 square feet smaller, which doesn't, it doesn't translate. This is a good topic, and it's resonating yeah. with people. And Olivia Branch says, how could you not love 12 songs in 13 minutes? I mean, yeah. I, I, I thought the same, Nikki. I know you did, too. Because you're a performer. It was glorious, yes. And yeah. there's so much that I look at that and value that I understand that not everybody's... Well, you're a producer. Like, you yeah. you get it. You yeah. understand what it... it like, I, I can't even wrap my brain around what it takes to pull that off. Exactly. But I know enough to know, holy crap. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is also how and I feel about some of these assessments. Secret. And they kept it all pretty secret, the <laughs> production, right? Um, yeah, so, uh, <laughs> Neil Williamson says, I think um, Woody Fincham would have liked Iron um, Maiden oh, as yes. the halftime show a little more. <laughs> I actually saw them for the very first time a couple months ago. And really? what an amazing, you're talking about stage production. Uh, they're, very, they're very theatrical in what they do. Travis Hackworth says, Woody's talking market value, but the assessors go based on the exterior condition and the surrounding property conditions, not necessarily the interior. They have to be invited in to do an assessment on the interior 
uh, of a house. Can I share a thing on that? It's totally your jam, but I was just talking to someone last week who's actually hired you, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's because they haven't been in your house, and she was like, no, they have. Not only have they been in my house, but she didn't really feel like she had the ability to say no to this. Yep, mm mm-hmm. So let's answer that question. Yes. So the answer to it very shortly, very succinctly is no one has a right to come into your home you unless go. you invite mm-hmm. them in. Uh, the, the assessor has no police power for that. Um, if you pull a permit, you do agree to allow them to do their job, uh, to come back to your property and pick it up, but they don't have to come into the interior. Um, the person who just made a comment about interior, Travis, the, the, yeah. uh, Travis we, yeah. they do absolutely use interior information on the sales that happen because they're in the MLS. And they do have access to the MLS in most of the offices. So they will be, get to see all the sales that have occurred or things that have been listed. They'll at least have a general idea of the condition of the property. But Travis is also correct, and a lot of times they're not looking at the interior. So if your condition of your property is way different than what uh, the, the assessor showing that's a good point of contention to have with them. You know, if if they're valuing you like you're, you've just remodeled and your property hasn't been remodeled in 30 years, exactly. there's probably a condition difference there that needs to be accounted for. So, and our deadline is the end of the month, right? Mm-hmm. Or does it vary based on location? Look, no. Each location is different. Okay, thank you. Well, mm-hmm. location within Albemarle County or location in jurisdiction? In our, in our each jurisdiction is different. Each jurisdiction is different. Yes. So, Fulvana has already finished its. Yes. Oh, it's, yeah, okay. it flies through there. Well, it, this brings up a couple of points. One, I've been meaning to ask this question of you, Woody. So, and yeah. I didn't know the answer to it. It came up the other day. So what, what are the jurisdiction's requirements? How, in other words, how many, how often do they need to appraise? It's not every year. Right. So what, it, what exactly is the requirement? It's based on actually population. So like Madison, I believe, does it every four or five years. Yeah. They're very small. Uh, Fluvanna does it every two years. Uh, Albemarle, of course, does it annually. Charlottesville does it annually. But it's, it's, it's usually based on uh, how the uh, jurisdiction's incorporated with the Commonwealth and also their population base. Yeah. So... Um, and each year, even for the like Madison, where they only do it every four or five years, um, they still benchmark it each year. So they, they're still keeping up with what's going on as far as each year goes. Why does the assessment? Why why does it lag? Why? Okay, here's multiple questions for you. Yeah. Why does it lag? Why is it um, why is it below market value? Um, why um, the way they're managing this is going to create some headaches? Because you get sticker shock. Yeah. Um, why isn't managed better? So the, the sticker shock isn't so significant. I think they're pretty well managed in all of the jurisdictions for the most part. But you got to remember that each jurisdiction is taking on this huge universe of properties. Again, Albemarle, 40-some thousand properties. It, it's a major project. And they're also not on a calendar year. They're working off of a fiscal year. Yeah. So your, your juris, they're always going to be behind. Uh, you know, the tax assessments go into, a, or those tax, the new assessment values go into effect on July 1st of each year for Albemarle. They have to get everything done prior to that. So they're going to be finishing up, you know, when I was, you know, the, the uh, assistant assessor for, for Albemarle, we were finishing, we were really busy in August and September finishing up in the fall. And that's where we would 
uh, base our effective date of our value as of right then. But it doesn't kick in until the next next uh, uh, fiscal year, which is July. So there's a big amount of, of it's space almost a there. year le- lag yeah. lag yeah. time on it. There's really no other way to do it, though. Yeah. I mean, if, if they're going to, the office is going to have the, an opportunity to do good analysis or, or the best that they can anyway. Um, that's the only way to do it. So we started this discussion at the beginning of the of the year, actually the end of last year, because Fulvana came out real early with mm-hmm. its tax assessment. And one's a comment and then the other's a question. The comment is uh, they just, you know, most of these jurisdictions only give you about a month to appeal it, which right. is not a lot of time. Some folks don't really pay attention to the mail or they might miss it or something along those lines. I know in Fulvana... Yona and I helped over 12 folks win. They actually mm-hmm. won all their nice. their uh, ap- appeals. So the same thing, which is then a question in for Albemarle County. So what is the appeal process? What's the best way for somebody to move forward to that? Is it to hire you or reach out to a real estate agent? What is your recommendation? Either way, I mean, it, it really depends on how... Um uh, this is a service you provide. We do. We, yeah. we absolutely do. Uh, but it just depends. I mean, most of the time, the, the delta between what market value is and what the assessor may be using for their market value, when you figure out the actual mill rate or how much the taxpayer is actually paying, a few hundred dollars may not be worth challenging. Now, you can go through the informal process where you go with an agent or even get with us. We can look at it from the desktop. We don't have to come out. Um, but we can do a, a feasibility analysis on it and say, okay, um, it looks like, yeah, th- they may be off. Or it looks like, hey, it, they're in line with everything else that's happening in your subdivision or in your particular market. Uh, that's a less expensive way to do it. Um, if you get a full appraisal and then representation at the Board of Equalization, then, of course, that's time. And it does take, you know, you can get into several hundred, even thousands of dollars with that, depending on how uh, aggressive the, the taxpayer wants to be. On commercial real estate, it makes a lot of sense because mm-hmm. you're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars with mm-hmm. that. But with a home, unless you're in, the, in a really high pro, uh, value niche, there's probably not a huge difference. And the way the assessment usually works, it's it's a regressive thing, right. meaning that the higher the value of the property, usually the lower the value is going to be uh, from the assessor side because they just don't have a lot of data and they really don't go after that property class really, really hard. Whereas when you're in a lower uh, value niche, there's more data because there's more transactions. So they can be reasonably um, uh, accurate. Yeah, ac- accurate's yeah. a good word. So I can add a little bit to that. We've had six phone calls and we're helping six folks. Mm-hmm. Four of them was within hundreds of dollars when we did right. an assessment to that. The other two were rather substantial. Yeah. Um, and so what we've done is we did a CMA for them gave it to the client mm-hmm. and suggested that they appeal themselves on that end of it. And if they need any help to reach out to you beyond beyond that. But uh, again, it's only been six and it's been in Albemarle. But four of them were pretty darn close. Yeah. You know, when, when, the, when you worked out the math on the current rate, right, and that's the next big thing, you know, what's the rate going to be? Right. At the current rate on it, it was only a couple hundred bucks and they felt it wasn't worth the time to or energy to, to appeal it. Yeah, sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. And I always chuckled every year that we would do it, because I worked in Newport News, then Suffolk, and then what brought me up here was uh, working for Albemarle uh, 10 years ago. Uh, there was, there's always the folks that are just um, 
they hate paying taxes of any kind. So it wouldn't matter if it was ten dollars or two thousand dollars. Sure. They're going to viciously attack it. And they, we had some taxpayers that would come in every year. I mean, you could almost set your watch by, you know, knowing so you know Mr. So and So or Mrs. So and So are going to come in, and they're going to complain every year. So so here's a value to go and do that, and even if it's just a little bit below what the ha- what the tax assessment. If they increase the tax rate, mm-hmm. it's going to help you, right? Because you're going to your multiplier, your value is going to is going to be less. So you know, my advice to the folks that were only a few hundred bucks was to appeal it, but they chose not to. Yeah, they chose not to chose not to do Every, it. Every um, jurisdiction has their own informal challenge process. Sure. Let's, you know, they gave us, what, two weeks in Fluvanna. I live in Fluvanna as well. I thought that was a little accelerated because we, we were... Very accelerated. You, yes. know, you guys have jobs. Yeah. yeah. Well, not only that... I mean, you're, you're an insider. You do this professionally, but what about the people that have kids and jobs? Yeah. But it was sure. the time of the year. It was in the holiday season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So that was an know, unfortunate. Everybody's all timing. tied up in holidays, and now you got two weeks, and I literally have people knocking on my door going, what the hell? Yeah. And so. Well, where it's really going to be a factor is when we see the tax rate. Now, Charlottesville City's already indicating, um, at least the conversations in the hallways, that it's not going to raise the uh, tax rate. Okay. Um, in Charlottesville City. Let's see what happens with Almoral County. Time will tell. Um, that's where the rubber really meets the road, right. is, is the tax rate. Well, if the value goes up, tax rate stays. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Woody, please. If the value of your home goes up, your tax value goes up, your rate stays, stays flat, but the budget goes up. Right. There's more, there should be more money generated because of that, because there's more value. Correct. So your your amount of dollars that you're going to pay is going to go up. That's do you do you? Uh, so we'll get to comments coming in here, fast and furious. What do you say to the folks that are? Uh, I mean, it's all over the feed here. Um, the people that are super angry with how their house has been assessed and the fact that they're taking more out of pocket. And how can this truly be affordability? I was at the party yesterday, last night. Uh, we hosted. Um, and one of my longest-term buddies lives in Fry Springs. Mm-hmm. Legitimately, is moving to South Carolina putting his house on the market later this year, selling his house because the taxes have become something that he cannot afford anymore. He's retired. He and his wife are retired. Um, They're going to go to Kiowa, South Carolina. Um, And and he said, look, the the, the rates become so expensive that I can't stay here on a fixed budget anymore. Right. Um, So someone like that, we empathize for them. But for the folks that maybe can fight through this from an affordability standpoint, how can they manage? What's the advice you offer? I mean, if, if you're concerned about that, the, the best thing to do is to you know, get with a professional that, uh, that you trust and, and see if they can walk you through the process. I mean, what we offer in our company is we will do a feasibility analysis. It's, it's not as expensive as getting an appraisal, but I can let you know, hey, this seems reasonable or it seems unreasonable. And then you can make a decision at that point if you want to dig deeper. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, that's the first I've heard of that where someone's actually budgeted right out of living in Charlottesville because of taxes. Well, um, I can I can speak to Fulvana County. Yeah. That's happening in Fulvana County. Is it? It is. My parents that's are unfortunate. Prim, my prim, our prime example right there. He's a retired New York City fireman. He's on a fixed right. he's on a fixed uh, pension that inflation is killing, yeah. right? Is killing uh, on the end of it that in, that I think he retired in eighty two or something or eighty four. Wow. I can't remember. So it's based on that salary at that particular point in time, mm. and you know it, it's it's in seriously impacting them. I, I 
He said he, my, my buddy said he's paying. He's 65. His wife is close to 70. Um, they're fantastic people. I've known them for 20 plus years. He said he's paying 300 plus a month. He did it on a monthly payment. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, for taxes in Charlottesville City. He goes, we cannot afford this. Yeah. We cannot afford to do this. Yeah. I hate well, to hear it. Is there a world in which it would be feasible and make sense for say somebody is moving to then keep that as a rental because then you could make bank on it? I mean, potentially? I think he needs to sell the house to yeah, yeah, yeah. buy the next one. Uh, oh, so yeah. there are ways, though, to have that rental income already be set up and be used as part of your income for buying the next house, just so people know. Well, and they're done that, encourage it for those who are interested. My suspicion is... Um, I'm helping a couple of fo- folks with he this. You may need the actual down payment they, they, what, Well, they want to make a lateral move, right? They yeah. probably do not owe too much on the existing home. Oh, it's paid off. Oh, and yeah, that's So different. they're going to cash out of that. Yeah, that's I, I a had whole a, different thing. It's, it's interesting. I Fifth had a, generation in the house. That's amazing, though, that it's yeah. paid wow. off because it happens more often than you would think that, you know, you stay in a house for that long, you think you're getting all the equity, but then life happens and you take out a line of credit and you take out, a, you know, there are all sorts of, happenings where it's like oh crap now i don't have all that most of moralizing in. part for my buddy was the house he grew up in oh man yeah yeah huh. so on the hard. flip Sorry, side yes. of that on the flip side of that, i had two phone calls from folks from florida that are relocating back up to here mm. to be closer to grandparent uh grandkids excuse yeah. me and i will to jerry's point um they're going to they own a home they own homes free and clear we're going to buy there it looks like from a dollar value we can do a lateral move but the conversation was all about the taxes the conversation was all about the tax structure here is very different than in florida sure on on that on that end of it and the first thing she brought up the both of them brought up to me was i've i've never paid taxes property taxes on my car one thing i think people should look at though is it's not just your property taxes because it's different everywhere you go across the country you have to look at what's called your nominal tax rate so where you're going do they have income tax do they have property tax what's their sales tax i mean florida has a very high sales tax so i mean when you look at overall what's called the nominal tax rate what are you actually going to end up paying and some states are better now virginia is not the cheapest by any means uh, there are, you know, we have income tax, we have sales tax, we have property taxes, uh, and then we have all those additional fees that are taxes by another name. So it's, it's, it's expensive here. What are those additional fees? Well, I mean, you know, business licenses in some jurisdictions. Um, what do we pay? I mean, right now my mind's on, the, on Lake Monticello because we have to pay all these extra fees there for everything. I mean, I pay $1,200 a year plus $300 for a pool pass. I'll never understand that. Um, but um, there's all kinds of fees. You know, anytime you do any services with the county and they're charging you for it, that's a fee that they give you. Uh, it's really a tax. I mean, if, if you really want to get down to what it really is. Um, Kevin Yancey watching the program, he says this um, for Woody. Um, can you explain the, uh, can Woody or Keith speak to the 101% rule in the Virginia Code to protect taxpayers? Ooh. That's actually something that I've not thought about in a very long time. I'm going to get this wrong. I just know that for market value, you're supposed to be within a 3% margin. That's mm-hmm. usually what the, what the Commonwealth wants to see. And if you're within that margin, then they consider you to be uh, what they call a certifiable tax role because the state actually certifies each role, uh, property assessment role for each jurisdiction. But I'm, the 101, I don't actually recall. 
Keith, you No, the three percent is the only thing I remember, and without actually looking up the code and, and reciting it, I'd, I'd hate to go down the road and kind of misquote it a little bit. You know, as Jerry constantly reminds me, our viewers and listeners are extremely smart, so I wouldn't yes. want to start going down a, a road that's not correct. The three percent is one I do remember clearly to go ahead and do that. Uh, generally, when I help people do this, you know, I always encourage them if if, if their assessed value is a dollar and we come up with a market value of 90 cents, I always advise uh, appeal it. Yeah. It costs you nothing from our perspective. We give you the CMA. It costs you nothing. The worst thing they can do is say no, right? Then you can make, then you can at that point make the decision to ratchet it up. So let's, let's clarify that. So there is a, let's call it a soft sell or a soft open portion of it where you can do this informally, which is where we are now. And if you are rejected, you still have the right to go in front of the in front of the zoning, um, the board of equalization, board of equalization. Thank you, mm -hmm. uh, to go ahead and contest it, right? So you can still you can work that up the ladder of of uh, appeals. And there is one more step from that: you can appeal it into court as well if That's you're not exactly. happy with what the BOE does Correct. or the board of equalization. But then that becomes a pretty expensive it endeavor, can be, yeah. and, you know. But when you're like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars off, we I had a. Adjoining property owner of mine that was 150 in Flavana, you know where I live, mm -hmm. was $150,000 off. Wow. That's and, and for like a hot second, goes, oh, well, I won't contest it. I went, whoa, 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 time out. Let me do the math for you, <laughs> right? And they ended up contesting it, and they won. They, they yeah. reduced it by $150,000. Yeah, and most likely the, there's a problem there with, with equity. Meaning they're not they're not being fair and equitable somewhere. If you're that far off, it's not just a market value thing. It's a how are you approaching the valuation, and that's something like when we would go into our hearings, which is the board of equalization hearings each year. When I was in the assessor's office, um, when I was in Suffolk, we actually the BOE or the board of equalization looked at a couple of uh, appeals in one particular subdivision. The equity was all over the place with that, and they ended up asking that the entire subdivision be reassessed because of it. So the whole subdivision. Yeah. So wow. I had I had to put three or four staff members on that to get that because we're at the end of the cycle at this point, and uh, we really had to rush to get that done. And but it was the correct call because you know the previous administration and the assessor's office there had not done a good job keeping up with it, and they were treating everybody differently, which is that's a no-no in assessment. So um, I just e actually emailed to Jerry and Judah. United Van Line does a, a, a survey every year. Um, they just released a 2022 survey, states moving in, states moving out, and the reasons why. Is, and I'm, why. And I'm looking at Virginia right now. We had a total of 52.2% inbound and 47.8% outbound. But it's interesting, and we talked about this the other day, the number one reason for inbound is retirement. You know what the number one outbound is? Retirement also mm -hmm. yeah. on that end of it. And family uh, family was the highest. To be closer to family was 38.24% on the inbound so side of it. So um, Well, that's always the grass is always greener on the other side. We see a lot of folks coming down from New York and Pennsylvania and places like that to here because we look very appealing to them because mm -hmm. their tax base is very high, right. much higher than ours. And then you have people that have been here for a period of time and they go, you know what, places like South Carolina or Wyoming or wherever are better for us because it's even cheaper there. So I think it's a matter of um, just your perspective on what you're dealing with. So Jerry and I talk about the in inbound salaries 
So they have an actual income mm -hmm. thing. So, so I just did 67% uh, of all the people that came into the state of Virginia made over $100,000. Their income, so they brought $100,000 worth of income to here. And, you know, uh, there was zero, uh, excuse me, there was 6% up to 50000 uh, 10% up to 75,000 and then 17% up to 100,000 but there was a broke of 100,000 to 150 and 150 and up but if I totaled the two numbers for the inbound percentage so there's 67% of the folks that came in here are making over $100,000. Do they ask that keep the same statistics for those leaving the state? Yeah, so um, great great question. Uh, it was uh, do some quick math here while somebody talks. For a second, um, comments. Put them in the feed. We'll relay them live on air. The one hundred one percent says that if a, this is Kevin's comment, um, if a city county will garner more than one hundred one percent of the last assessment, the city must lower the tax rate. Right. That's a, that's a tax question, which is outside of my realm of expertise. Working in the assessor's office, we, we focused on, again, market value and fair and equitable treatment of the real estate. What happened to be, because we would have folks come in every year, and it's like, we hate you, Mr. Assessor, because you're, you know, you're raising our value. And it's like, well, you want someone like me there because we're going to give you an honest interpretation of market value. What happens with the tax rate is completely on the politicians that you elected. If they want to increase it, decrease it, or keep it status quo, that's their decision. We give them good We try to give them good information so they can make a good decision for their constituents. If they do or they don't, I can't control that. Well said. Well so, said. Nikki, for you, how has the, have you seen the tax rate, or excuse me, the assessments impacting business in any capacity? Multiple people are asking you that question. Ooh, Business, oh, as, as in real estate. Sorry, my brain went into commercial. That's not what the question was, though. Um, so, no, but I do think it's one of those areas where it's a matter of being educated on what's going on. Mm -hmm. Like, as, as a real estate agent or any real estate professional, really, you're going to need to know enough to at least guide someone to the appropriate person and be aware of what's going on enough to have an intelligent conversation. It may not need to be in-depth, but as a realtor, you're going to need to know more about that. You're going to be the top tier of knowledge as far as what those values are currently. And like Woody had shared about, there's this delay. So there really is a lot of room for error in that for people to fight it. I don't know what to, appeal. There we go. That's the word I was looking for. Appeal that, that amount, right? So does it impact us? Yes in the way that anything that is real estate related is going to impact day-to-day -day real estate life. It, it matters. It makes a difference. As we were talking about, it does mean some people decide to move because it does make it unaffordable to live in the same house you've had for years, especially on a fixed income. And it is an important thing to factor in. Well said, Nikki. Great Keith. question, Woody. So I have to pull up a different tab for that. So I'm yeah. trying to do this live. Exactly the same amount percentage moved out. Sixty-seven really? percent of a hundred thousand and up moved out. Sixty-seven percent of a hundred thousand and up moved in, which is. And this is based on what what, what period of time? So this this is twenty twenty two, all of twenty twenty two. So United Van Lines does this yeah. analysis that they do. They've been doing it for like 30, 40 years. I have to look at the, the length of the time on it, but they do this every year. So that's really interesting. It was 67% in and 67% out. I'd like out. to see the delta between the years on that just because with COVID, you know, the, the two years of, of whatever you want to call it, it's, 
with people being able to work from home and now a lot of the corporations are saying, hey, you got to come back, I wonder how that's affecting people moving in and out of the state as well. So I can do that because this goes all the way back to all the different oh, years. So I'll that? do some quick math while somebody else talking to see what year would you prefer, 2020 or 2021? Well, let's go pre-COVID, like 20... 2019? Yeah, something 2018, 2018? Okay, cool. Well, and also, where can we find some data about these companies? Like, we're talking about companies that are making people come back in, mm -hmm. but who are they and where, you know... Like, I, I have a friend at UVA. She's still remote. Mm-hmm. And they're letting her, and of her group, she's the only one who is still remote. They were not told, though, that that would able, be able to be long-term, right? For her specific situation, she's pushing that because that is the biggest value add for her staying in that role, and they want her to. I think the biggest folks that I've seen you know, through media, of course, mm -hmm. this, is, this is completely arbitrary. I don't have any data to back it up. But you're seeing the Me big too. companies like you know, Amazon, and you're seeing... Google and all of those, their CEOs are very Byzantine in how they approach it, and they've got that old school mentality of managing people, and they want to have that top down where they're where they're over top of people, looking at what they're doing all the time. Um, I think some of the data we got out of COVID was, if I recall correctly, that you know efficiency in the workplace actually increased because people yes. were happier mm -hmm. working from home, but. You know, there are some CEOs out there that are like, hey, i got to have my staff here because that's just the way I want it. No, I get that. No, totally. I'm just wondering because I think a lot of those were not people who were told, hey, we're going to continue this. This will continue to be an option. Whereas there are people who, like I mentioned before, two people that bought houses for me during COVID life, mm -hmm. they're still working remote. That's working incredibly well for them. It's actually created for one of them a whole another option where the plan will be for her to continue staying remote. That's awesome. And they, you know, their companies, both of them, actually one of them is closure title for one of my clients, and he's been able to stick with that. They have a considerable amount of remote employees, and it goes very, very well. They do wonderful work. 2018, $100,000 and up inbound was 61%, outbound was 62%, so a little okay. bit, little bit less than 2020, but they actually, I'm going to open up the tab for primary, primary reason for moving to the job thing. 62% nice. was inbound for job. Retirement was only 12% inbound. Uh, the outbounds are all different. You know, it was retirement 23%, family 26%, lifestyles uh, 13%, job uh, 48%. But it was six in 2018, to your point, it was 62% of the folks that came inbound were coming for a job versus, hold on a second. By the way, this goes to 1977. Well, I guess our economic developer uh, folks in the uh, cities, counties, and at the state are doing their job because they're bringing people in for work. Yeah, but it's changed since 18 yeah. to now. So the job, in 2022, the jo inbound job is 17.65%. The hmm. outbound people leaving for work is 39.43 percent wow so that's that's and the, the the you know the high highest ticket currently the number one is at family for 38 percent and then retirement at 20 percent on that end of it this is a interesting comment it's from anonymous and you know he's a data guy yeah have you uh, touched base, you guys? You guys have a lot in common. We, we've not touched base, but I've read some of his things, and uh, he's a very intelligent guy. Very, yeah, macro data guy. Yeah, for sure. Finance guy. He says, uh, I would love to get Woody's take on this. People are going berserk about the assessments right now. Anonymous has openly said 
He lives in a very expensive house in the city of Charlottesville. Mm -hmm. Okay. He says, I tend to think the assessments are at a general level pretty accurate. People need to refocus the question around the tax rate and why it doesn't go down after a two-year period of 25% assessed value increases. To your point, this is the elections matter, Neil Williamson line here, right? Yep. It really does. I mean, if your politicians are holding you hostage, it's time to get new politicians in those seats. I mean, because that's really what it is. And if you've got a surplus or you're you're, you're making your budget, why are we continuing to increase? Particularly with how poorly staff has been managed in the city. And I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but, I mean, the amount of openings that we've got right now in the city, it, it, it speaks to the management of the city. And, you know, that's also a political thing. I mean, our political leaders aren't, you know, coming to the table the way they should, I guess. And, of course, I live in Fluvanna, and I'm very happy with how we're managed there for the most part. Uh, so, you know, I'm throwing fruit at people where I don't live here, and I don't mean to upset anybody, but, I mean, that's ultimately, I think, you know, that's it's a politician thing, and it's, it's, it's if you're not happy with the, your tax rates, that's why you go to the booth and you vote. So as far as Fulvan is concerned, on Friday we're going to have Moselle Booker sitting in your seat and Chris Fairchild. Moselle Booker now is a challenger. And I was just about ready to say, um, uh, uh, contested elections matter. Yes. Right? Non-contested elections don't matter. It's, it's a, an anointment of somebody. I mean, if, if you've got to run, you've got to have competition to go ahead and do that. And again, uh, to, to kudos to my friend uh, Neil, um, Neil Williamson, who constantly says that. Also, Ned Galloway, the most important thing to be, everybody to be watching right now is the budget discussions and the rate, rate discussions. But what you can do to help yourself is what Woody is talking about. What we're doing is if you feel that you are over-assessed, your values are over-assessed, reach out to Woody, reach out yeah. to a trusted advisor, realtor, go ahead and see if, if, if we're on track. If, if it is at market rate, more than likely you're not going to win, right? Uh, but at least you know it, that it's at market rate. And then the next thing is to attend board meetings, support Neil Williamson, uh, and get out there and, and make your – because they can do an, an equalized rate, right? They can do basically a net zero. They can adjust the budget. They can adjust the, the rate. So I'm not paying any more cash actually in my tax value. Is that possible? Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's completely up to the politicians to set that rate. And, you know, the thing is, you know, once you raise it, they very rarely ever lower it. I don't know that I can ever call any time. Well, it did in Fulvana. We did? Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. did in Fulvana, I think twice. In Recently? Recent, rec- oh, yeah, recent memory, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. They, they, uh, they, they um, uh, adjusted the, I think they actually lowered the budget a little bit, which then adjusted then adjusted adjusted the rate. I, I, think uh, it, I think it was last year, actually. This for Grace, specifically for Nikki. Do the assessments and the tax rates impact real estate sales specifically? Yes, no. <laughs> it's yes or maybe so, no, yes. Oh, no, no. Yeah, hold on. Say that one more time. It's I need okay. to. No, it's no. Okay. I need to know it. No. Um, yes, maybe, no, me, yes. Me. It's maybe yes, maybe no, yes. There we I go. That's what he's saying. Yeah, I can't repeat that, apparently. No. I just can't do it. <laughs> no, because here's the thing it's it should be part of any normal part of the conversation that you're having about a home, right? It's part of your purchase. It's important information. It's in the listing. It's part of the information being reviewed. It's also part of the information that. The real estate tax, I'm not going to assume what was put in that little box in the MLS is correct. I'm going to double-check it myself. That's just me being a little extra, but I would so much rather be a little extra, be thorough, and be right 
then have a mistake that I later have to explain. I, I, I truly, um, I mean, I think you guys who watch the show know if I don't know that I can be right, then I'm going to speak around a topic, but I'm probably not going to commit to a specific answer like this one because it is both. It's, it's not necessarily ruling most people out of making decisions on a house, but it is always part of the conversation in real estate. And I kind of feel like maybe the question is leaning toward asking, hey, is it important enough that it's impacting people buying or not? Not most of the time. So on the sales side, we always generate nice, it. Nicely done. Thank you. Yeah. That was well done. Yeah. I do kind of like what I do a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you could totally run for office. That's a great answer, oh. not answer. <laughs> How about... Uh, I don't know that I feel like that was a compliment, no, it's a, Woody. it's totally a compliment. That was a compliment. <laughs> okay, it, it, that, that's a, that's a tough topic. <laughs> this question from Neil. Does Charlottesville have an income problem or a spending problem? That's a hard, I, I don't know, but that's a great question. I think it's I think it's a spending problem. I think Woody would probably I don't want to put words in your mouth here, but I think it's a spending problem. I'd lean that direction, yeah. Yeah. I mean it's 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 you can't constantly find reasons to spend more money in a jurisdictional budget and, and create affordability because you're gonna need income or revenue to support those additional sources of spending. Yeah. And it, that's it, what they're doing. They're managing resources, and you know, in the end, if you spend all your money, you can't manage all your resources. Right. That's how I see it. Yeah. So a question for Neil, and he probably knows this off the top of his head. The city of Charlottesville, the, the total budget, how much of it comes from rooftops, residential rooftops, and how much does it actually come from commercial? Because you know, with the new uh, zoning amendments that they're working on and the conversation that we're having on Friday about expanding the 5% around Albemarle County, you know, a lot of a local elected officials think adding rooftops don't help the bottom line, the budget of the, in my opinion, the budget of the, of the county or the city. But if we don't grow any more rooftops and our budgets are going, everybody's taxes will go up. Yeah, but if you, devil's advocate, and you jump in. If you grow the rooftops, you're going to have to also grow the infrastructure. Yes. And if you grow the infrastructure, that's going to cause more spending. So depending, we have to define what infrastructure it increases. Roads, schools, so public roads, works, yep, police. Mm -hmm. But, but the, the city's rezoning won't impact the roads because they're existing already. So there's no new roads coming not, in. But it, that's actually not true, though, oh. because if you're going to increase density, you're also going to increase traffic levels. Okay, traffic's one thing. I'm talking about actually building more roads. Well, managing the roads. Yeah, yeah. managing okay, the roads. You're going to wear down your infrastructure yeah. because got you got more density. And there's a lot of, a Public lot, a lot of homes around town right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, there are. <laughs> so many. 100%. <laughs> So I, I can't speak to it so specifically. I'd have to go ahead and pull it up. But I remember reading a, a statistic or a report that was done that it actually did not increase cars. The you know the the putting apartments and so forth and so on in the growth area didn't increase so many cars. It had a lot to do with the parking requirements, right? Which mm. you know we don't have any parking though. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do we have a public transportation system that can support yeah. minimizing that traffic? Yeah. Not in a real meaningful way. I don't think you're, you're basically saying it's not robust and consistent enough just to oh, help people. I that, agree with that you. That would be a start. Absolutely. Yeah. It's yes. absolutely not scalable the way it is right now. They would have to, you know, our transit authority would have to change a lot of things. In it's order not to, usable to it. for many people the way it is right now who are using it and they're making do or getting fired with things like two hour gaps between connection. And it's been a while since I've had anybody who needed to use it. 
but I think it was actually not that long. My now 21-year-old was using it at the age of 17, 18 to try to get back and forth from K-Tech to, I think it was my house, my, right outside of my neighborhood. And, and it was very challenging. There was like a two-hour gap without, it was like, oh, at that point, just if the Brutal. weather's nice, walk. But also, you know, having my young adult walk that distance still makes me a little nervous. Of course, your mom. <laughs> yeah, I can't help it. I'm like, I get that it's okay, but also, oh. Side of the road. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. 100% empathize yes. with you. I would worry the same. Um, look, comments are coming in fast and furious here. How, can, how about this one? This is a great one from Stacy. How can we be pro-affordability if we're, if we're raising taxes and assessments at this clip? I, I, we have to continue to explain to the viewers and listeners that the assessment increases are not necessarily in, in, in control of anyone here. That this is happening, it's the rate that matters that we gotta right. watch it, right? And right. the budget. The rate and the budget. Yeah. Well, I mean, the budget influences what the rate's going to be. That's I mean, exactly right. when uh, f- the finance departments in each of the municipalities put out their, you know, their forecast for their budget, they're they're trying to figure out well, how are things going to change over the next year. And like I said earlier, it's rare that you see a municipality actually cut the rate because uh, you know it's like once you give government anything, they continue to take. <laughs> so well, it's, one can say the same thing about the budget, right? You know, some jurisdictions do adjust their budgets, right? right. Nelson County, to be an, an, an example uh, of that, they adjusted their, ba- the, I think it was last year, their budget and their tax rate, so you were revenue neutral. So in other words, you're, you're, for the most part, your tax dollars that you're paying did not go up, right, right on that end of it. Very few jurisdictions are able to do that, though. And Nelson's interesting, too, because they've got that special use permitting that they do now, so they can do spot zoning uh, uh, up and down moves as they need to. So... Uh, good for them, you know? Well, and Nelson also has a benefit in that their population, school enrollment is decreasing. Right. Yeah. Um, and a lot of their population is decreasing. So that helps them from uh, an overhead standpoint. For sure. Um, Neil says 35% of Charlottesville local taxes are from residential property taxes and related. 8.66% of local revenue comes from Albemarle's revenue sharing agreement. From the King Content, Neil Williamson, Keith Smith. Thank you, Neil. He answered your question for you. Thank you. I, and I knew that he knew that off the top of his head for sure. And then he and, and could he could chime 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 in on that. So while everybody was talking, we're trying to see where the tax rate flew and uh, ended in our in our county. Um, so if everybody gives me a minute, I might be able to show where tax rates. Nikki, Nikki yeah. Chambers, how's the market looking from your standpoint? What's the, cause you, you're a great yeah. barometer with so many agents under your tutelage. It really here. does help. Yes. It's a wonderful thing. And I love being able to be connected with all my agents and, and seeing what's happening. And sometimes I actually have the privilege to see firsthand when I have someone who I've worked with on like three transactions, who's ready to sell again, I'm still going to initiate that contact. I'm not going to be their agent, but I get, have the privilege to still sit and meet and do some consulting and be able to connect to agents, which is wonderful and I love it. Um, but I will say, I feel like what we really are seeing and feeling for the first time in two years is that seasonality, which also means that we're seeing that end. Everybody's feeling really busy. They feel the their listings are coming out, like the increase, and it's not a huge increase, but we do a new listing email every week that goes to the car agents. Uh, and we've had that tick up. Last week there were more on that list than the last previous weeks. 
because of seasonality. In our sales meeting, for the first 15 minutes, we talk about what we have coming and our needs for our buyers and specific things. And there's been a tick up of, oh, hey, yeah, this is going to happen here, and we're expecting this by the end of the month, and you know, this isn't for a little bit, but I'm thinking March, and it's like, well, March isn't that far away, first of all. And thank, you know, that's awesome. So it's it's picking up. We're seeing that spring market happen, and I, I think it's exciting. So I started off the show a little bit yeah. talking about that. So we're looking at the car footprint. We had seven, uh, 79 new homes come on this last seven days going backwards. A week ago, um, we were at 63. Mm-hmm. So yep. we are we are starting to creep up. Um, Pendings are actually dropping a little bit. Pendings are last seven days at 71. A week ago, they were at they were at 88. So the absorption's changing a little yeah. bit. I'm curious about the pendings the last seven days because when we started in the beginning of the month, there was a ton of triple digit uh, days on market, and I'm looking at the last seven days. I was going to say, I think that, and that is kind of weeding itself out. Yeah, as we talked about. Yeah, so out of out of the seventy, uh, I'm looking at the pending right now. Out of the seventy-one pending, only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of them were uh, over a hundred days. So okay. we're 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 yeah. weeding through some of the inventory that yeah. I think has been on the market for a while. Well, so crazy. The rates dropped just a little bit, and people jump back into the mix. Yep. Now rates are going up. We'll see what that does to demand. Nikki, you got yeah. you want to jump in? I, I really do feel like the the yes, they make a difference, right? But I do feel like we've adapted as an at least an area enough to where it's not a huge deal because just a few months ago it was a big freaking deal. And we were talking about how this was needed and we would adapt and it would adjust. People would get mm-hmm. used to the new normal because they were gonna have to, and I feel like they really have. So yes, it makes a difference for some. But I think a lot of times that's going to be more for the market that is either trying to buy closer to the top end of their budget or for people who are just a little more particular about that and feel like that savings matters enough to miss out on one thing to wait for that um, interest rate adjustment to have another thing. I think that um, because the rates raise so much so quickly, the discretionary side of, hey, I want to move versus I need to move kicked in. Mm-hmm. Life continues to go on. People still need to move. You know, you get a job somewhere, you got to move. You uh, you have a baby, you got to get a bigger home. I mean, those things are going to continue to happen. Yes. Um, you're just not going to have people that are wanting to move as much uh, because their buying power is diminished. And, you know, I mean, and the problem now, like everybody says, if I sell now, I've got to buy something. And, you know, I'm, I, like my, our household, we're 2.75% on our mortgage. Wow. I'm not going anywhere for a while. I mean, yeah. Until you have I don't to. need to. Yeah. Until you have to. Yeah. I've been in your boat. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as, again, looking at this United Van Lines, you know, the reasons for outbounds, their retirement, health, family, lifestyle, right? Cost. Um, and I looked up what they defined as cost. This is, you know, interest rates and so forth is 11%. Right. But... I've been meaning to ask both of you this this question. Um, Scott Morris, Ross Mortgage, yeah. uh, has predicted by the end of the year we'll be sub five. What do you think that's going to do to the market? How is that, how is that going to impact the market, and is it a good thing or a bad thing? 
anytime you have a diminishment rate, you're going to increase, you know, buying power. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, increasing that, again, going back to discretionary folks that don't have to move, they, the people that want to move will be more apt to do so because the rates, they're going to see it as an advantageous time to do it. It's going to help inventory? Uh, no. <laughs> it's going to crush inventory. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think it might, actually. You think be so? Yeah, yeah, because back to your comment, you know, all this stuff is so minutiae, right? We're, we're, how is that going to help inventory? So how it's going to help inventory is um, Keith and Yona has been wanting to move. Yona has been wanting to move <laughs> on that end of it. And I am in a position, I don't want to buy at 7% or 6%. But if I can get something around 5%, which I'm at right now, I'm good. Yeah, but... In, okay, let's say that So happens. I'll put my house on the market and move. It's going to put exponentially more buyers in the market. And if you deepen the, the buyer pool and the inventory pool goes up marginally, that's not going to help the inventory. Yeah, the, in, the, in, the, the, the buyer, as I've explained it, my interpretation of it, the buyer pool is the deep end of a 10-meter Olympic-sized diving pool, right? Diving is 20 feet deep. It may be 18 feet right now. That 4 5% is going to put the water over 20 Hmm. That people are just going to come in the market. The inventory is probably the kiddie pool. It's kind of moving its way a little bit towards the three foot end of the of the pool, but the but the ratio is just way out of whack. Uh, and you know, looking at days on market and stuff like that, we're dropping days on market again, right? We were looking at we right. were looking at a little bit more longer in the longer in the tooth on days on market. Now we're back in most cases under double digits. Yeah. In days on market. I mean, it's a good time to buy from the sense that sellers are willing to give up more concessions right now. They're willing to... It depends. It's going to change. Um, I mean, if we get more buyers in the market, that's going to go away. But, I mean, what we've been tracking is we're seeing more frequency of concessions and we're seeing a return to historical 3% where you know, concessions were between 1% and 2% whenever they would happen. Uh, and, and sellers are really trying to make it happen. I think a lot of that was from panic because the rates went up. Uh, but that's going to normalize out, too. I mean, if the rates drop, we get more buyers, and I think that will dry up. So in your professional opinion, I use days on market as a tracker mm -hmm. of are we in buyer's market or seller's market. What is your days on market? In other words, when is that switch going to happen from a seller's market to a buyer's market? In, in this region, what, what number of days do you use? I mean, we're 30 or below. We're definitely in a buyer's market. Yeah. Um, traditionally here or historically, I think, um, and, of course, the new normal is the new normal. We don't know what it's going to be. But he, mean, he means seller. He means seller, yeah. yeah he meant I'm sorry. Market. It's okay. Thank you. Yeah. I saw your face, too. Yeah. I was like, yeah, somebody's got to say it. Yeah. Apologize. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. Uh, no we worries. knew what you meant. Thanks for keeping me straight, guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, bottom line is, you know, sellers are, sellers are in control, and until – we get up to 60 or more days a month, which I don't ever remember us being at that point. We, we, had, we, had, we had, you know, back in the bad old days, we were in 90s, 120. What are you talking, 08, 09, 10? Yeah, correct, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that was BW. That was before Woody was here. Before <laughs> Woody was here. I love it. But, oh, man. But I'm, I'm just looking in the car footprint. What have sold in the last 30 days is 189 uh, homes. Units. This is all the whole car footprint. Fifteen days on market is the median. Yeah. Okay. Which that's kind of high over, since the, over the last twelve months. I mean, but you know, it's not bad at all. Yeah. Well, it used to be ninety days. Used to be like the benchmark, right? right. When it, it made that shift, 
right? I think right now that benchmark is closer to your 60 days. I think it is a new normal. I think when we start going north of 30, it's now going to kind of make that switch where buyers will have a little bit more control. But it's uh, real estate is, again, these six things. I get myself into a little bit of trouble saying this all the time. It's location, price, features, condition, timing. Is it the right timing for you to move? And who's on the other side matters. Is the professionals on the other mm -hmm. side matters on that end of it. But if you hit all, all those first four, those are in single digits. And we are, multi we are experiencing multiple offers. We are experiencing no con contingencies. But when you're now maybe don't have the right features or the right conditions, that's when you get in and you can do two, two one buy downs and different type of concessions. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking, I'm wondering why, or maybe people are having this conversation, but instead of, hey, let's wait for the interest rate to go down, if you're in a position where you could afford the mortgage rate at the whatever the higher interest rate of the moment is, and it's a house that you want, then what about the conversation about maybe tossing some early payments into things? Because if you do that math over the long term, honestly, anyone who's bought a house, when you look at that amortization chart, I don't know about you, but it makes me want to have a heart attack. Um, so uh, maybe that doesn't happen for you. That's cool. It definitely does for me. And one of my big goals and ways to try to manage finances is to throw some extra money at that Absolutely. so that I'm not paying as much interest. So you can essentially manage the interest that you're paying, maybe not month by month in that way, but over the long term to where I may not have as low of an interest rate as Woody over there because I do not. But when I'm tossing extra payments at my mortgage, essentially it could easily balance out to equal the same. It really could, yeah. That's called the time value of money. Yes. And unfortunately, a lot of consumers concentrate on their monthly payment more than they concentrate on how much is this mortgage actually costing mm -hmm. me. You know, you're paying multiples in excess of what you're actually purchasing the property for over the course of a 30-year mortgage. And the monthly payment's important, right? Yeah. I, I thought I was going to qualify for a VA loan, and I learned in the middle of purchasing my home that I did not, which was really special, and it made a big difference in my monthly payment. Sure. And I had to take a step back and go, oh, crap. What am I going to do here? I want the house, but this wasn't what I had budgeted, so what am I going to do about it? Right. Um, right? Mm -hmm. and, and for me, usually that equates you're going to hustle. That's what you're going to do. Um, because that's just how I operate. And when you're looking at that, if you're in a place where that monthly amount isn't doing that, or maybe you are, and also your answer is I'm going to hustle, hustle and throw some extra money at that, and it will really make a huge difference in in your interest paid, in your life. <laughs> well, even if you can't put more money into it every month, if you break up your payments in half and yes. pay two weeks ahead of time and then two weeks on the day it's due, you'll get an extra payment in every year mm -hmm. and that day-to-day -day interest gets, uh, it goes down. For uh, any loan you do, for yeah. your car, for absolutely. your mortgage. Yes, absolutely. That's, and I don't know that everyone knows that. Yeah, well, when you're, well, if, if they watch Scott Morris on Wednesdays, we talk about this all the time. You know, what you end up doing is putting money in your pocket, not the bank's pocket, right. yes. not the bank's pocket yeah. yes. on, on that end of it. Just quickly, I pulled up Lake Monticello because we both live there. Yeah. Ten homes on the that market right there. now. Yeah. But that's high. <laughs> Ten For right homes. now, yes. But compared to like 17, 2017. 17 pending. 
I can't tell you how many times underwriters have come back to us in the last two years and said, why do you have no active listings at Lake Monticello in your report? Because they want us to look at current inventory sure. levels mm-hmm. and, and the current absorption. It's like, because there are none. <laughs> so how does that work, right, from a technical end of it? Yeah. You know, because you, if you can't find any cops in Lake Monticello, right, or, you know, because you use actives, right, a little bit to help, we do. help, help yeah. that. How, how, what's, the, what's the path for that to help the, your client? Well, we will look at pendings. And pendings, all, there are always pendings on the market. Yeah. So they're still considered to be active even though they have a contract on them as far mm-hmm. as the underwriting side of the mortgage stuff goes. So there's 17 pending right yeah. now. So all of that would be looked at in, in the event um, that there were no active, actual active listings on the market right now. So that does give an indication. And any appraiser worth their salts, they – because I know a lot of people fuss about how appraisers wow. do it because we look at a lot of retrospective data. It's always historical. Yeah. Uh, but you're behind the ball if you're doing that. You've got to look at what's actually happening right now and what's on the market as well. Did you see that $1.19 million house going pending at Lake Monticello? In I five, did not, no. Five freaking days? No kidding. One, one point one nine. That's under contract. I don't know. I don't know what the actual. Uh, yeah, it's a waterfront have, property. Yeah. I can tell you. I know this for a fact. Nothing's ever sold at Lake Monticello over nine hundred. Yeah. Because yeah. I looked it up. Ever. Ever. Wow. That's my reaction too. Well, and there are. I mean, I have one agent who one has point- multiple clients waiting for the right waterfront at Lake Monticello to be available. One point one nine zero sold in sold in five days. It's still pending. It's still pending. Yeah, it hasn't closed yet. It it went under contract uh, 2-6, so it won't won't close until March. I'm going to keep a, a close eye, eye on that, but I, I did a little research over the weekend on that uh, before I knew it went into pending on that, uh, and I've, there's there's very minimal sales over 750 at Lake Monticello. How about this one for Nikki? Are your agents seeing more inventory coming soon on the market? Well, yes, because we are getting that that increase, that seasonality increase, that whole, you know, spring is the best time to list because people believe it is, truly. And are there other reasons? Absolutely. Like um, the the property I was just, the client that I was mentioning recently for the consult, that's actually happening right now. And part of when they list is going to be about having the photography happen when their property is wonderfully in bloom, right? So is there more to it? Yes. And... It is because we believe it to be. So we are definitely seeing that seasonality increase in listings right now. Keith Smith. So um, I just did a quick search. Lake Monticello, 750 and up. There was 21. Um, hold on a second. I think I made one quick error. Let me double check that. I've got. Looking at this one listing you're talking yeah. about where you're looking, Keith, yep. this is a Thank very you. specific kind of property that you're talking about. Oh, yeah. What's the address? Yeah, for real. Um, can we, can we, hold on one. Yeah, we, we, it, we, it was active. We can give the address. Yeah, it's sure. uh, 17 Bonita Road. Okay. It's a, it's a contemporary style, but the, the, it's a, on, a, on a killer lake lot. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the people buying this are looking at it going, this is a very specific thing that they want because uh, this is not a common type of uh, house you see at the lake. So this closes at that price point. Let's assume it's cash, right? Because right. it probably is. Um, how does that impact your... Uh, uh, appraisals for Lake Monticello? Is it- Anything on the water is going to definitely be impacted by it. Anything that's on the water and in that type of property class, meaning that it's similar in size, similar in, in design and appeal to the market. Again, this is a very specific type of home. So, you know, the, the consumers that are looking for something like this may be a smaller pool of buyers. Than- and this home's beautiful. Yes. It is. It really is. And you're right. It is going to be a smaller pool of buyers. 
but any I mean, home that has a uniqueness to it, right? It will absolutely matter to the folks that um, are in that property class, and it, it's definitely something we would consider as long as we can confirm that it's an arms link transaction. You know, I mean, and you can mm-hmm. tell with this house yeah. that it's been renovated completely inside. I mean, the yeah. kitchen's favor, brand new. Can you explain arms length transaction? Just because it is real estate term, uh, appraisal yeah, terminology. Yeah. Um, so. Basically, what that means is that it's a legitimate transaction from the sense that the parties are not related to each other. Neither party is acting under any type of duress, like they're being forced to sell because of a divorce or some type of uh, litigation forcing them to sell. Or, you know, they're usually those sales are going to sell lower um, than, than normal real estate because they're being compelled to sell. Uh, but we do see situations where people will do a transaction where they're including like a hundred thousand dollar boat with it and you know that gets added in somehow and that has mm-hmm. to be adjusted out and that's all information that as an appraiser i've got to get to figure out whether or not i can actually use it as a, as a legitimate comparable or not yeah so as far back as our mls goes mm-hmm. i put in lake monticello 850 and up what is sold four homes yeah okay that sounds about right what do you all, think of that all, all waterfronts obviously well, I mean, Lake Monticello is this very specific captive market, you know. I mean, you know, it, it just, it's like uh, Lake Louisa, uh, if you're familiar with Blue Ridge Shores. Mm-hmm. Same thing yes. there. I mean, that, that they're very similar in that they're intentionally designed PUD neighborhoods or planned unit developments. Uh, HOAs are in control of it in both situations. And, you know, that's, you know, a very specific buyer wants to live in a gated community like that. So we, we, so, so we want to clarify this. We don't know what it actually sold for until it closes. Right. Well, we know Absolutely. what it was listed. Well, but we do know it went under contract in five days. It went under contract mm-hmm. in five days. So we, we'd have to find out probably this time next month yep. what it went out. I, I just, as somebody who's been living in Lake Monticello since 1987, and I, I'm in this business, I, I never thought I'd see at least my tenure there, a sale north of a million bucks. Yeah. So. Well, I think there's a lot of this. This is a, a huge home, mm-hmm. right? It's a, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm looking at the pictures right now. It's also incredibly well done. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. La- on yeah. the lake, like yeah. waterfront, oh, not yeah. like, hey, we've got a few feet that. No, no, it looks right down it, the main body of the lake. It it's, does. it's actually it's beautiful. It's actually gorgeous. And was incredibly well, well listed and laid out. Some and it looks like it looks like the situs of the home, that. or where it's located on the lot, takes full advantage of that view yeah. too. That's a sometimes at Lake Monticello, you'll have really nice waterfront lots, but they build the house at well, a funny angle because right? they were built in the seventies. Yes. So a lot of folks don't know Lake Monticello originally was a vacation community, never was intended to be a bedroom community, which it came became. Well, and also, and there are there are that pool of buyers that are waiting yeah. for the right lake for, uh, water, waterfront property at Lake Monticello, and it looks like the listing agent did a stellar job. Oh, yeah, it's got doubt. wonderful photography. Oh, it has virtual tours that I haven't looked at, but yeah. I assume they're actually virtual tours. So the reason I brought it up more was for for Woody's interpretation on, on yeah, the impact, the impact of, of it. Impact on uh, assuming the sale goes through is at this price. How does it impact everything else at Lake Monticello? And the answer is no. It really only impacts all the waterfront lots. Is that a fair? Right. fair right. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like if you're car shopping, you're not going to, if you're shopping for a Mustang GT, you're not going to use Volkswagen Beetles as your, uh, as your comparable uh, data point yeah. to figure out what you're going to pay for it. Are you talking to my wife again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. My, my Honda CRV is not going to get priced compared dream to the car. electric Audi, you know? <laughs> Her car is a Mustang GT Shelby 500. That's our dream car. Ooh. That's not a cheap car. You should car. make that happen for <laughs> Yeah, that's a six-figure car. Right and I want uh, to see well, it. Well, uh, uh, 
I know she's stuck in an airport right now. A lot of people don't know about about Yona. Um, she's actually a licensed rally car. She can race rally cars in in Europe. She can drive a set of wheels off of, off of a car. Wow. Uh, Barbara Bozik. She says, thank you, Woody. That is a fantastic point that needs to be emphasized. States with lower taxes on homes have higher taxes on sales. She also says, our area has a higher quality of living and really solid values. Tax assessments have not been frothy in the last 18 years that I've been an owner. The $200 million in state shortfall for public schools due to the reduction of state sales tax 1% starting on 123 will put great pressure of school budgets and local governments, it is reasonable to assume that the recent increase is also in preparation for the coming shortfall. Our values are high because people want to live here. That's a good point. Yeah. Interesting. I just pulled up the Florida, just of curiosity, because I have clients from coming from Florida to the United Vans. 20% was only retirement. There was 24% outbound from Florida because of retirement, which is a hmm. strange thing. Um, 38% was for family reasons moving moving in, 35% family reasons for, for moving hmm. moving yeah. out. I would have not expected to see that. Yeah. Um, so, Woody, what are you expecting uh, spring and summer in this market? I think we're going to see, like we normally do, a typical seasonality where we're getting, you know, more transactions are going to happen. Uh, it's that magical moment where people with children and families with children where they are um, – uh, they don't want to move the kids until the school year ends. Um, that always influences a lot of uh, the single-family sales that we're seeing. Um, I, I just don't see us having a weak market right now with everything that's looking the way that it is. I mean, the rates are, I think, for the most part, have been accepted by the consumer. And, uh, you know, people that want to buy are going to buy. Well said. Nikki, same question for you. See, my brain went to the whole family and end of school year situation because you also have the chaos that comes at the end of the year. So, like, May is just out for a lot of people, right? Yeah. Unless you absolutely have to be doing life, listing your home, looking for a home. Now, this is only a certain part of our population. Right. And I don't know how much of our population fits in the school-aged, you know, like K-12 through 12 situation, but those type of things definitely impact. Now, as far as going to the question about what I expect to see, agreed, definitely that seasonality. We've been talking about that for a while now, but especially right now, it's just what we're seeing. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have like the, the spring pickup. We're going to have the beginning of summer where I'm expecting it to just kind of calm a little bit. Then there will be another pickup and then there will be another calm. And a lot of it does happen to be tied to some of that like school schedule impact along with you know people going on vacation like people like to go to the beach for the summer and when they're at the beach they're not necessarily looking at houses here they might be looking at houses at the beach but then we also have a lot of our beach people come out to the mountains for their vacation so we get an influx of our out-of-towners maybe looking so it balances out a little there but not quite evenly well said Keith Smith yeah so I I've said this before. I'll keep on saying it. Spring already sprung. The spring market already sprung. There is yes. no, I don't think there is any spring market any longer. I, I run a 20-something year spreadsheet taking a look at volume of sales. I've been doing it for 20 years. Um, that whole spring market really hasn't been around for a long time. It starts pretty much January 1. So is it the post-holiday market then? 
Yeah, I think we needed to find it something else. Yeah. It, 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 you know, I don't see it as a spring market, post-holiday post market. You know, it's over. And to the beach comment, you know, the thing that I'm holding in my hand, yeah. people are looking at homes all the time. They yep. are. Um, so I think, I think that's going to change. And I don't know about you, but I wander a little bit, and everybody I talk to, it may be at a bar, it may be on the street. So what's going on with the real estate market? Oh, yeah. So He's I, not curious. Yeah, I... I, I I think this trajectory is just going to mm -hmm. continue to go up. Yeah. Oh, Keith, whenever we go to a party or a social gathering, I don't tell anybody what I do for a living. It's pretty hard for me not to do they, that. They back you into a corner. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Yeah, you end up working, don't you? Yeah, and it's like... like uh, <laughs> I feel like we can get away with talking about what we do without, like, working, but you might not be able to do that so well. No, not at all. Yeah. I mean, people, investors will corner you. People that are thinking no. about selling will corner you. You just need a line, like, janitor or something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like, I just need yeah, to hang a disclaimer around my neck. I'm not here to work. No. Uh, yeah. Self-employed is what I say. I'm just self-employed. Yeah. Nice. Um, well, I, Smith, I do love having the conversation. So, Keith Smith, Nikki uh, Chambliss. 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 Yeah, got uh, it. Woody Fincham, guys. This show is Real Talk with Keith Smith. And we just try to make uh, difficult topics approachable for you guys. Um, Keller Williams Alliance, Fitchman Associates, Yes Realty Partners, Judah Woodcowers, the director. The show is archived at realtalkwithkeithsmith.com. And we welcome your questions as always. Thank you kindly for joining us. The I Love Siebel show is up in approximately 50 minutes nice. on a gorgeous Monday in Central Virginia. Oh my Thank you for yes. watching, guys. <clears throat> We needed this gorgeous Monday after that jury day that was yesterday. Yeah, it was a nasty day, wasn't it? Woody, you're you're a pro. Thank you. Appreciate it, Nikki. Thank you. <laughs>